You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. You are joined by T Mac. That's me. Cookie Monster. And we have one of our regulars in the building, PC. How are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm very well and excited to be here once again. Yes. I, I love what you said there in the building. Yes, we're, we're actually. In an actual building this time. Socially distanced in this little studio. Yes, we managed to do it somehow. Yeah. Actually, but I'm not wearing my mask. Doesn't that cancel out the social distance? Listen. <laughs> anyway, just following on from our last episode, guess who got her jab? Because <laughs> you was just looking at me like, when did we agree we're getting vaccinated? <laughs> um, yeah, well, like, mm, yeah, the, the carry on, carry yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, PC, she tell me these things also, you know. I, sorry, I should have told you before. <laughs> But I'm not one flesh with you, Nam. Okay. There's somebody else. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yes, anyway. Um, I hope you have been listening to the podcast that we've been doing recently. We've shared a lot of um, helpful information, but still, obviously, at the end of the day, the decision is yours to make whether or not to get vaccinated or not. But today, we're talking about um, eternity, I guess we could say that. Um that's what we'll encounter, what you'll encounter if you don't get the vaccine. Very fast. You'll be in eternity soon, soon. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Isha, how could I go from not supporting to being the number one supporter? No, um, we're talking about balancing living your life, chasing your goals, chasing your dreams, and also, you know, the things that we're obviously commanded in the Bible to do, which is save souls and the Great Commission and to heal the sick and to, you know, do all of those amazing things that Jesus himself did. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, yes, when when the producer sent me the, the brief for this, I was thinking, balance balancing living in the now and preparing for eternal life and you know there's just so much to think about because you you realize that we're living in this world where especially at the stage that we're at in life you know you've got all these goals you've got all these things you want to do all the things you want to achieve career you know just a lot of things that you you you've set for yourself yet at the same time we have this mandate to prepare for eternity and to make sure that we're living our lives for Christ, we're storing up treasure mm, in heaven, mm. as the Bible says. Ooh, guys, so, <laughs> I actually, sometimes I picture, <laughs> what is my storehouse looking like? <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather it be cluttered and full of stuff than what I see in my mind's eye, which is like, yeah, not yeah. great. So that's exactly what we're talking about today. And PC is going to be helping us do that. So I guess to dive straight into it. Just, it's almost like this dichotomy, right? Where on one end, you, you want to max, max out or to live your life to the max on this earth as we are often told or encouraged to do by almost everything around us. You know, I follow several <clears throat> pages on Instagram and there's always, you know, this, like this hustle culture where it's just mm. like, you know, hustle hard, um, smash those goals, invest, do this. And, and then on another end, 
you know, you're, you, I follow several theology <laughs> pages, especially like conservative theology, where you, you're, you're getting you're getting a lot of, you know, um, be a minimalist, make sure you live for Christ. Everything is about Christ. Prepare for eternity. So, PC, mm. this weird, almost weird balance that, you know, often as Christians, we don't know how to strike. I guess the first question is, can can you even live a balanced life in that sense? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Balance is possible. Balance is possible in every aspect of the word. Um, I'm reminded of Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes. King Solomon. As you would know, I'm a firm follower of King Solomon. <laughs> he says something very interesting. He says, don't be over-righteous. Mm-hmm. Right? right, and then he says, "Don't be over wicked." Mm. In fact, he says, "Don't be over righteous. Why destroy yourself?" Then he says, "Don't be over wicked. Why die before your time?" And then it says, um, in, "I'm paraphrasing here." Mm-hmm. He basically says, "It's good for a person to have balance," right? And then he says something very interesting. Uh, he says, "The man who fears God avoids both or all extremes." In other words, the fear of God, as far as I'm concerned, is what balances a person's life out, right? When a person walks in the fear of God, they are able to balance life out regardless of what aspects of life you may be looking at, whether as we would want for the purposes of this discussion, uh, the things of God, if you want, things to do with um like I said, uh, pushing, um, say, the gospel, things to do with uh, anticipating um, eternity, things to do with our worship, active worship, that is, of God, versus maybe our need to survive day by day, the need to get things uh, going and things moving. I believe that the basis for balance is the fear of God. What do I define the fear of God as? I define the fear of God, perhaps I've even mentioned it before on this particular um, platform. I define it as, number one, having respect for... In fact, let me start by saying having regard or recognizing God. You know, the same way you'd behave if you knew the police is around. You know, we drive a lot different when when we know we're being looked at, (laughs) right? So I I believe the fear of God is having regard or recognizing the fact that God is there and you're going to be accountable. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's having respect with regards to his opinion of what you are doing. Mm. So you are considering God's view before you do something, and then you factor that into your decision-making or life processes. And thirdly, it's reverence. It's having a worshipful, I, I excuse the word, but a worshipful um, approach to everything that you do. In other words, you live life to please God in everything that you do, not just Sunday worship or church meetings, as it were. So that fear of God, as far as I'm concerned, becomes the palette or the the perspective that frames your entire life. So it's that fear of God now that keeps you in check. Remember, God is watching. So what am I doing? I'm about to make this decision. God what is God's perspective is what I'm doing glorifying God to the max. So I believe it's that fear of God 
that actually brings out the balance. And going back to Solomon again, Proverbs 1 verse 7, he says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. So again, I believe that wisdom gives you balance. So so I, I bet you, or rather I, I dare say, it starts off with the fear of God. Yeah. Um, in terms of that same verse mm. um, in Ecclesiastes, what would you define being over-righteous as? Because <laughs> maybe we don't know if we fit in that category or if we're just normal. <laughs> How would you define being over-righteous? Wow, what a very, very interesting question. In my head, I've always assumed, you know, it's possible to be over-righteous. I guess... I guess looking at it um, just from the surface is to go beyond the Jesus style of um, uh, righteousness by grace, mm. right? Is to overextend yourself insofar as trying to be right with God beyond what God has given us yeah. by grace, yeah. right? That's how I look at it. I, I could also probably dare say that is just taking uh, good things over the top, mm. right? Or the good we do for God mm -hmm. over the top. That's how probably I'd look at uh, being over-righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Wow. Okay. So the fear of God, the fear of God, just that concept of the, the fear of God is, is, is quite amazing. Like I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Um, I'll tell you the, the struggle that I offer. And thank you for that, because I think you've, you've actually brought some very important perspective to the, to the discussion. I've, I've often found myself thinking, um, as a Christian, right, I personally get bothered by a lot of the stuff that I see being churned out, especially on social media. Um, a lot of the, like, I, I believe in working hard. I believe in, in applying yourself, in doing the best that you can to become whoever you're supposed to become, right? I, I get having a, having a great work ethic, all of that kind of stuff. I think I have a good work ethic. And I think many, many of the people in this room do. However, <clears throat> there's this, I'll call it hustle culture, mm. right? That is almost being glorified where it's all about, you know, you've got to, you've got to work. You see all the, the quotes that people are posting. It's all, it's, it's all about doing you. It's all about, you know, smash those goals. <clears throat> and then you start thinking, but guys, are we not also now becoming so focused on the hustle i know we've done and we, we did an episode on on the whole hustle thing but are we not becoming so focused on the hustle that we in the process are becoming materialistic in our outlook mm -hmm. where we even start thinking but where does god fit into this whole picture or where sometimes god just becomes a tool not a tool but like uh the, the means through which i get mm -hmm what I want, right? So I'm going to obey God and do it. But the, the ultimate goal is that I want to, I want to, I want to build my business and I want to become a millionaire. I want to, I want to drive that big car. I want to be. And, and so I find that there's this conflation of, um, our goals, the things we want to achieve and this kind of materialism that is there. And we then hide God somewhere in there. I don't know if you if you get what I'm trying to say. I think I get what you're trying to yeah. say. Um, I'm wondering whether you guys were attending my our church <laughs> um, clandestinely, because a, a few weeks ago I was I, I, I was preaching for a long time or for a lengthy period a message on gods, mm -hmm. right? And in this in this in this series, 
I touched on a number of things that have become gods in our lives. Talked about a god called the cell phone. Mm. Right? A particular effort, a episode about a god called <laughs> the cell phone. Right? Um and 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 gods have got I I in this particular preaching series, mm-hmm. one of the things I I I was I was talking about is gods number one they take away your time mm. in prayer. Yeah. Your fellowship with God. So anything even if it's legal, even if it's urgent, even if it's necessary. Yeah. If it removes you from prayer, it's a god. Right? If it removes you from the word of God, it's a god. If it removes you from uh, fellowship, it's a god. If it removes you from um serving God. However good this thing is. <laughs> Someone's just saying right? like I think you're describing my you toddler. See, <laughs> it is a god. So now, once you come up um with um some of the things you're saying, you are right so i actually then preached a god called goals i had a service uh-huh. to talk about a god called goals and i i remember mentioning uh, a number of verses there that relate particularly to the quest for money you know and um just trying to show people that we must we must we must be able to balance our lives out yeah. right and not yeah. and not then make these things become goals mm-hmm. and and i was saying the things that you've just been mentioning where <laughs> god is now used uh, is now turned into a hunting dog right where we only relate with god based on what he's able to achieve for us in life once we get it forget about god once we lose it or once it's under threat then god where are you i need you right now yeah. that kind of a thing if you look at uh, king solomon i always say king solomon was very rich so when he talks particularly with issues regards money and whatever you mm. we can fairly believe him and uh, hold his views to be uh, worth listening to right this is what he says in proverbs 23 verse 4 don't wear yourself out trying to get rich be wise enough to know when to quit right the berean bible says do not wear yourself out to get rich be wise enough to restrain yourself So I I really love this 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 um this particular episode because to the listeners who are out there it's just challenging your life to see um where you are with regards the balance mm-hmm. right I know we haven't really talked a lot about eternity as it were yeah. but I like the fact that right now it we are already to the listener uh, poking certain thoughts or just throwing certain ideas to say there could be certain things we're holding to be true we're holding to be important we're holding to be necessary which we may be taking over the top if i go back to the book of psalms the writer says when riches or when wealth increases don't set your mind on it mm. so you see for the person who's listening some people if you to give them a thousand bucks even a hundred you know or if you told them i'm giving it to you tomorrow morning they may not even sleep properly right <laughs> thinking about the hundred bucks You see it already it shows you that balance is lacking. So supposing the things that you're wanting to chase right overwhelm you emotionally, mentally, you know, psychologically if you want, which is almost mentally as well. Yeah. Already there's a balance that's missing there because these as far as Jesus is concerned now are not the the, the most important things. Now let's switch over to the New Testament. Yeah. Matthew chapter number 6. Jesus then begins to ask those why or, or rather do not worry questions yeah. or do not worry propositions don't worry about what you shall wear don't worry about what you shall eat right don't worry about these things he even says something very interesting he says for so for these things the heathens chase after right 
So one day I actually said something a bit bad in church. I said, well, if you're chasing after these things, according to Matthew chapter 6, you are a, you can fill that out, right? Then he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So already this is why I'm saying the moment these things become the primary pursuit, then already balance is lacking. And that explains why people that are supposed to be saying sometimes are depressed, why they're down, why some of them, even though they've gotten what they want, they're unfulfilled, mm -hmm. you know, they're still, they're greedy and they don't know it. You know, when is enough going to be enough? That kind of thing. So, so, so I, I feel it when, when, you, when you talk about hustle, goals, and the like. Many of those things have been, have been canonized or they've been, yes. they've been poured holy water on to look <laughs> right and so forth. But in essence, you know, somebody can get up at 3 a.m. for goals. He can never get up at 3 a.m. just to talk to God. Yes. Somebody can yes. work seven days to accomplish something. Um, you know, so that they can pay the rent or pay whatever, but they can never do the very same thing in, in the same light for God. You see, the same, the passion with which somebody will chase a debt. How far with my money? <laughs> when are you paying? How far? You know, how far uh, in Zimbabwe, you know, how far is a financial term, <laughs> right? How come the person can't put the same verb into saying to somebody, how far with you coming to church? Because sometimes when you invite someone to church, he says, I, I can't come this week. How about next week? Mm. How far with coming to church? How far? When are you coming? When are you coming? So you see, so we, we've, we, we've really taken these things and we've put them right up there. And just so that we feel good, we put in Jesus' name to it. Or, you know, God has blessed me or God is going to, mm. you know. But, but the, the, the energy we put into those things. Remember, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. The energy we put in these things is lacking in the things that actually hold more water. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Pizza. Pizza, my sports. Yeah. Well, well, well. Because as you were talking, I was trying to think, okay, what can someone ask themselves to know? Am I now too focused on goals versus God? But I feel like you answered it as you were talking, as you were giving the examples. And I was like, you. Okay. That's Craig. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. You're giving us some uppercuts. I, I, I hope I'm a good person. I'm, I hope I'm a good person. You know what? It's easy to be caught up in the red race without yeah. even knowing. Because number one, we live in a world that's constantly spewing the need to achieve, the need to acquire, the need to, you know, to go to the next level. Yeah. Right? And very little or few sounds are being made, particularly about the life that's to come. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even with contemporary preaching. Uh, like when I was doing this series, I kept asking people, even the things, let's, let's go back even to church, mm -hmm. to church and church services in particular. What makes you rate a successful church service? In most cases, people want the outlook of a building. Yep. To look well they want a, a, a liturgical service to be structured well especially the ending part mm -hmm. <laughs> right they want the music to be yeah, superb for, for, the, for the sake of uh, th those of us like myself who may not know what liturgical uh, worship service exactly so let's just say our sunday service mm -hmm. they want it to be well structured and end on time right i'm 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 i'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm emphasizing that end on time, time bit. Right. There are people who've changed churches 
Because the service doesn't end on time. Yeah, but I gotta uh, get of course, if soccer doesn't end on time, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. If Man United and Liverpool is postponed to another day because of protests, it's perfectly fine. I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and watch. You know. <laughs> However, they would like um, the pastor to preach a good message, mm-hmm. which addresses their needs, you know, that miss them where they are. Mm-hmm. But I was asking the other day, how does God rate a service? And then I was taken to Luke 15. Mm. Luke chapter number 15. Luke 15, as we all know, talks about three lost things. A lost coin, yeah. lost sheep, and a lost son. All to illustrate one thing. Heaven rejoices when one sinner turns to God more than the 91, more than all the righteous ones that are, that are there. Very few times our churches actually stopping to ask how many people are converting to Christ yeah. in terms of services. And then let's look at how churches are managed. Yeah. We'll go into all the church boards that you can think of right now. Go look at their meeting minutes. Go find out the things that they're arguing about. I can tell you the things that they're arguing about right now. Mm-hmm. Number one, money. They're arguing about money, how it must be used, employed, and who's not getting enough, something to do with money. Yeah. Then there's issues to do with power and preference. You know, I don't like how, you know how a person leaves the church because uh, I don't like, mainly when people leave churches with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect, eh? Of course, sometimes it's conflict and all. Sometimes it's just issues, as, as far as my research is concerned, yeah. that comes down to issues of preference. Never do you hear somebody leaving a church because we're not winning souls. Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. So what does this tell us now? It tells us that even within the church uh, sphere, And I'm talking about church um, specifically in terms of our services and so forth. We might have actually lost the plot that we forget that we're supposed to be preparing people for eternity. eternity. So now, when was the last time somebody challenged you, As if you're listening to me right now, when was the last time one of your pastors challenged you to win a soul? When was the last time somebody shouted at you and rebuked you harshly? For the fact that you've been a Christian all these years, but you're staying next door to somebody who doesn't know Christ, you can talk everything else but not eternity yeah. and salvation in Christ. No, possibly you may have been rebuked for not tithing. You may have been rebuked for missing church. You may have been rebuked for coming late to choir practice or whatever, but not even for souls. Yeah. What, does that te- what does that tell us even within uh, us Christendom and the church and how we're doing ourselves. It could be it could be showing us that we, we're missing. We're missing something. Yeah. We're missing something. So to the person who's listening, when you when you're going back to your church and when you're fellowshipping with others, have a healthy perspective of how God rates the success of a church. God doesn't really rate the praise and worship, okay? <laughs> there are lots of wonderful singers up there. Yeah. None of us would qualify for that choir. All right, he doesn't really, with all due respect, we must be beautiful. The outlook of our church is important. But let me tell you something. There's a, there's a very beautiful scene where God is right now. All right, if God wants to see beautiful things where he is, it's very beautiful. Yeah. But there's something that gets his attention. That's when souls are turning to Christ. And so what am I saying? I'm, I'm basically saying even as a church, in our processes, we have to refocus ourselves yeah. from this we just want to fix marriages. We just want our kids to pass in school. Those are important things. We want people to get jobs. We want people to succeed. We want uh, the church to look beautiful. To guys, let's reach out for souls because eternity is coming. The signs, uh, uh, the signs of the times are upon us. Yeah. Wow, mm. Pastor Craig. Wow. 
um, as you say this, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of things. Mm. I'm thinking about the kinds of, um, even the kinds of preachers that we find ourselves following. Mm. You know, sometimes we follow our celebrity type preachers because, mm. you know, they, they, they're hip and they're happening. And mm. it even ceases to be about the content of their message. It's, it's all about them and, and the, the, the eloquence and all the charisma that, that, that the they packaging, have. The, the packaging, the branding. Of it. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Then um, I just remembered a quote by C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. It says, the perfect church service would be the one we're almost unaware of. Our attention would have been on God. Mm. But every novelty pre- prevents this. Mm. It fixes our attention on the service itself. Mm. And it says, thinking about worship is a very different thing from worshiping. Mm. Then it says, it is mad idolatry that makes the service greater than the God. Wow. And I just think, wow, you know, he, he nailed it because we do this a lot. We think, mm. ah, the perfect church service. But he says the perfect church service would be the one we were almost unaware of. Mm. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I thought about this because we, I, I'm, in, I'm in the worship team at my church. And they, um, I was talking to one of the, I'm, I'm in charge of the, the worship leaders actually at our, at, at, at our church. So one of the ladies who is in training um, came to me after her session. She was leading in one of the one of the other venues. Then she says, hey, it was really hard. It was, uh, there was nothing. It felt really dry. That sort of thing. Then, and she's like, the band side, the drama wasn't doing this. You know, just, just all the things that somebody would say. And I know what it's like to have a frustrating band in a worship, in a worship session. Then I remember actually thinking of this quote. And I said to her, you, do you know that often it is those services where God moves the most? Mm. Right, because we want God to move in the way that we feel He should. Be. Absolutely. But if if we look, if we, I mean, of course, you should practice. You should always be strive excellent. to have great sound, strive to be excellent. Mm. But if those are, if those become the things we measure, if that becomes the basis of our, um, of our measurement, then we we're losing the plot somewhere. Um, have you thought that maybe somebody actually got touched by God? Have you have you have you thought about the fact that maybe it was the most glorious worship to God? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't because you you had to rely on him, so mm-hmm. I think there's got to be um, a change in our posture when it comes to these things. So I, I really, really, um, definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just quickly, I also want to ask another question. Um, I guess in line with with this, which is the eternity side of things. Mm-hmm. So we want to smash our goals. We want to do all these things, and we also have to be vigilant of all the just the things that you've mentioned but then the flip side is that i've also seen christians who are very pious very devout you know very devout well, seemingly very committed to god but then they, they struggle mm. right they they don't really pursue anything in life they are always looking for handouts you know you know the guy who's always asking for bus fare uh, but he's he's committed he prays and, and stuff like that. Or Christians who now struggle to look after their homes, uh, their families, that, that, that sort of thing. But they're really committed to God. Um, is there also the risk, um, Pastor Craig, that we can become so focused on the things of God? And I have to be careful about my wording here. We can become so focused on the things of God that we also don't take care of the things that matter (laughs) wow all right Uh, let me just throw something i don't like to hear 
I, I normally hear this statement. Um, they are so heavenly minded that they are earthly useless. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that statement. Let me put it out there, because it's impossible to be heavenly minded and earthly irrelevant, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Right. When it comes to Christians, in quotes, or rather Christians, struggling, the first the first posture we must have, or our first attitude for me must be compassion. Yeah. Sometimes, not everything is what it seems. Go into the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Right D down here on earth, Lazarus was a nobody. The rich man was everything. The tables flipped once we got to the other side. Right? So you must um, firstly just have a, a posture or rather, like I'm saying, an attitude of compassion when you come across Christians that are struggling. I guess being a Zimbabwean as well, I like what some Zimbabweans are saying. That, you know, if you see a Zimbabwean suffering, don't be quick to say he doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. Because uh, sometimes the feeling in the nation is some of the scales are not necessarily equal or, or, or tilted favorably for everybody. So not everybody that's struggling is struggling because of their ineptitude, foolishness, or lack of wisdom, as it were. Yeah. So what am I saying? Number one, we must always adopt a, a, um, a posture of just compassion to whoever is suffering, because we may not know. If you go into the book of Hebrews now, just to further uh, cement my point, the letter to the Hebrews is a letter to a church that is struggling, a, a church that's persecuted, a church that's on the cusp of backsliding because their trials were seemingly overwhelming for them that they wanted to revert back to Judaism, as it says. So the writer is basically writing to uh, these people to encourage them not to turn back. In fact, Hebrews chapter number 10 makes reference of that. The just shall live by faith. And then he says, but if anyone turns back, my soul shall have no pleasure. That's the heart of this book to say, don't turn back. When you go into Hebrews chapter 11, I love Hebrews chapter 11 for the pure fact of, 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 the, of, of this is, is, is greatly misquoted. Mm -hmm. It's usually with all due respect, used to glorify faith and what faith can do for us. But if you look at the context of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, then when you get to chapter 11, what, what the writer is basically doing is, is giving people who had various levels of struggled, struggle, who could have given up, who did not, despite. Now watch this. Watch this in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 13. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them from a distance, admit, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they had been. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So the people being mentioned here were not as glamorous as we make them out to be. But up there, they became heroes. What's the lesson? Be careful of getting all the accolades down here, right, to the, to the detriment of your, of, your future, of your future there. So when you're seeing people that are struggling, like I'm saying, let's just be careful of that. That's number one. Mm. Number two, right, is it possible, and I'm going back to my earlier point, is it possible for a person to be 
to be negligent whilst they, they, they're focused on Christ. Like I said, I don't, I don't believe so. I believe that the deeper you, you are in Christ, right, the more practical life becomes in terms of your usefulness wherever you are. I am not at all suggesting that that means you're going to be rich, right, or that you're going to be the top of the pile in terms of your family, that you're going to be the one taking care of the whole city necessarily, but I'm saying a godly life makes you as relevant as possible. How do I know this? Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom. If you find the kingdom, the Bible says all these other things. What are all the, the other things that Jesus was talking about? He was talking about food. He was talking about clothing. He was talking about shelter. So the person who finds the kingdom finds food, shelter, and clothing. Right? Yeah, so, so I find it then uh, difficult. Then So, so they, I'm almost contradicting myself there to say perhaps uh, some of them that may be struggling. Perhaps we, we have not really grasped the kingdom for what it ought to be. Mm -hmm. Because when a person does, the, the net effect is that food, shelter, and clothing will be added. Right. Will be added. Rem I was thinking about it, about church fights in terms of money. How churches take each other to court in terms of money, yet Paul says, you know, don't take each other's brothers to church. I was just reflecting on the fact that when Jesus left, he didn't leave the disciples with a dime. Yeah. <laughs> yet we take each other to court for money. How is it that Jesus never left these guys with a single cent dime? How crazy is that? So, 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 so the key to survival for the church is not how much is in the bank account. You see, so, so, when we find the kingdom, yeah, we are able, you know, to balance out everything. Mm. So supposing there's a struggle, it means there's, a, there's, there's, there's something wrong in this equation somehow, somewhere. And the fault is not up there. Obviously, we have to introspect. But as we introspect, let's be careful how we look at people that we may think are struggling. Let's just be careful. You may actually be judging a Lazarus who's going to be totally different to you on the other side. That, that is crazy. That <laughs> is that that's crazy, Pastor Craig. Wow. Uh, so I just <laughs> as you're saying this, I'm just thinking that how many how many Christians are aspiring to be the rich man in this world? How many people look at the rich man and they're like, "That's who I want to be," right? All the goals we have, all the people we aspire to be, all the, 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 the people who inspire us. And of course, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with having people who are, who are your heroes in certain spaces. It could be business, it could be whatever. But I'm just saying, many of us are so caught up in wanting to be the rich man that we never stop to think that it should be, it, maybe it should be the Lazarus that I should also be looking at to say, Am I really pursuing the things that God honors and the things that God pursues? Because um, I guess our world rewards people who are, again, smashing goals, right? People who have big, big bank accounts, people who are becoming, people who are getting PhDs and doing all these things and building organizations. And these are the people that are, that are regarded as the who's who's of society. And many of us then aspire to that. Even within the church, you are generally recognized as being, you know, and a respectable member of society when you do those things. But then when we look at the people who are not, we often just look down on them. Wow. Okay, anyway, that, that's, just, yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah. I, I like that point which you're actually saying because, um, again, I guess God knew that we we're going to have this discussion tonight. 
today this morning i was thinking about the rich young ruler you know and i had a, i had a very interesting take to it which i'm going to preach almost sounds controversial but i know i'm right as you pretend i'm right right listen to this uh, this is matthew chapter 19:16 the uh, one came to him teacher what shall i what what good thing shall i do to have eternal life verse 17 jesus says why do you call me good no one is good but one that is god if you want to enter life keep the commandments he said which ones then jesus breaks down the commandments verse 20 The young man said to him all these things I've kept from my youth what do I still lack the reason he is asking this is because within him, himself he knows that there's a problem and then Jesus says if you want to be perfect go sell what you have give to the poor you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me this is where I have an issue with Matthew or us one of us is the problem there but the, when the young man heard that saying he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions I have a problem with Matthew. I I think he wrote it wrong. Either Matthew wrote that last portion wrong. He says for he had great possessions or perhaps we we interpret Matthew wrong. Mm. The young man went away sorrowful. He was sad. When Jesus says sell everything, yeah. give it to the poor and follow me. The Bible says he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Matthew is not he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful because great possessions had him. Oh. The possessions had him. So if you can't give it away it you don't have it it has you. Mm. So either Matthew wrote it correctly and we interpret it wrong or Matthew wrote it wrong and we we just interpret it this way. Right? I I I believe what Matthew is teaching us and of course I'm being humorous there. Yeah. yeah. Is that the things had him. Yeah. This is why you must always find out you know to what extent are these things playing a part part in your life. Yeah. I was rebuking some people for stylishly excusing them from church on sunday saying we're going to work you know some of these things you know people don't realize that they've captured them now go ask a normal believer right now give me three signs that the end times are about to come three biblical signs that you know what eternity is about to unfold as we speak right now as we're doing this recording right now there's a fire in the middle east yeah israel and its enemies are fighting as we speak right now i can bet you that the average christian is thinking about their prayer request the things that they need to sort out yeah. and so forth or if they are to deal with this israeli palestinian thing some of them might even be looking at how bad israel is as an apartheid state etc etc without ever pausing to stop to say do you realize that what's happening up there are bad pangs to the end those are bad pangs to the end somebody is celebrating the end of corona you know in terms of the restrictions without ever stopping to say don't you realize that these are these are bad pains these are palpitations if you want yeah. you know these are what you call those when a woman is about to give birth contractions you know, these are contractions but you may be pleasantly surprised that the average believer and that is sad has no idea you know do you know that jesus says in the last days because of the increase of wickedness the love of many shall grow cold so when you see certain people not interested in the things of church hiding behind unlike the pastor and how he's doing unlike how these people do i don't like how they treated me you know all selfish things not to do the main things don't you realize that the bible actually says that's a sign 
Mm. It's a sign to say, you know, people just, you just hear people now saying, you know, I worship from home. You know, I pray by myself. I don't know if you understand what the church is or what the Bible says about what the church is and what Jesus commands. But the Bible says the love of many shall grow cold. So people's love growing cold to us must be a sign that guys. It's on. And then Jesus says, if the owner of the house knew what time the thief was coming, he would have been ready. Yeah. How many times are people reading these verses that I'm talking about? You see, so, so, so again, we have a responsibility, particularly to the listener, to say, um, we must wake up. Yeah. We must wake up. Paul says, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He is writing in, in between 50 and 70 AD. Yeah. He is writing in, in, in literally 2,000 years ago to say our salvation is near. This is 2,000 years ago. We are up here 2,000 years later. How nearer are we now compared to where Paul was? Yeah. You see, um, maybe I can also just add this. I was challenging some people in church and I was saying, supposing Paul came to us right now, he woke up and came to this world, and he heard us complain about our issues and our prayer requests and uh, the things we call tribulations and trials. What would he think? You know, what would he think? Supposing he heard you complaining that, you know what, I don't have rent money and I'm so down, you know, these trials and tribulations, rent money. Yeah. yeah, you know these guys had to deal with being killed yeah. and arrested just for preaching. Oh, wow! And right now we're we're making all sorts of noise about being woke, and I think it's the wrong it's the wrong kind of wokeness that 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 we're we're, we're focusing on. You know, pa- Pastor Craig is just saying this, man. I'm I'm thinking about a lot of things, uh, just in terms of our walk as Christians and our focus um, and how we, 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 are, we are really playing into, into a lot of the stuff that the Bible talks about, especially, you know, our hearts growing cold. We're, we're so caught up in the things of this world, in our lives, and just, you know, wanting, wanting to get our lives together. And that seems to be the focus. Or we've become so caught up in social justice issues, Right. Um, I see a lot of Christians making noise about the whole race wars in the States. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, this is a controversial one, but even gender issues and feminism, this, feminism, that. Uh, we've got a lot of people caught up in um, issues to do with LGBT. You know, the, like where even Christians, you know, I, I've seen posts where Christians in the comment sections are saying things. And I'm just like, listen, I'm not saying that we should not be concerned about things that affect people or things that affect uh, or, or the justice issues because God is a God of justice. But I'm just like, hey, are we not becoming so invested in these things? And is our, is our motivation really a heart to see God's will being done? Or are we now just being driven by um the world exactly you know colossians chapter 3 forgive me for just bumping into there because it's an issue that sometimes makes my blood boil i remember facebook at least they were good in that regards they they brought attention to a post i once put out if we christians didn't build schools somebody would if we christians didn't engage in politics somebody would if we didn't go into hospitals somebody would right if it didn't provide clean water and housing for people somebody would but if we did not preach the gospel 
who would hmm. who would so a lot of the things we're doing the truth of the matter is if we didn't do anything to do with covid there would be somebody to do it if we didn't even try to do something uh, concerned with world peace somebody hunger now i know i could be blasted here for being insensitive please bring it on but tell me something if we didn't preach the gospel to the lost christ him crucified salvation by grace who would sure. not the world that's for sure yeah yeah that's that's deep that's deep i think yeah so i guess the the question that people then have is like so fine if i don't feel like i'm called so to speak to full-time ministry what am i supposed to be doing as the person who's just going about their lives i have a job i have a career i have a family what does it look like living with an eternal mindset when i'm not a preacher or i'm not a teacher or i'm not a nun or something I like what you say um Most of us are not teachers but we help our kids with homework. None of us or most of us are not called to be firemen. But if somebody's in our family is caught up in a fire, how mm. will make a plan? Most of us are not medics but if there's an accident where we see somebody trapped somewhere, we'll do something. Mm. So it doesn't take being a a minister of the gospel as it were for you to invite somebody to church. Let's just start with something that simple. Yeah. yeah. Let's just start with some something that simple. It's like giving directions. I'm not Google, <laughs> but I know how to direct someone to the shops. Mm. Okay? When a person comes for directions and I can say the person's lost, I I won't stick around and say, "Well, I'm I'm scared of people, you know, I'm I'm just not sure of my public speaking and I'm not Google. Let them find their way." Hey, you look lost. Where you're going is that direction. Yeah. Simplest thing. How about inviting someone to church? How about leading your family in prayer every single day? I guarantee you 90% of the families out there don't pray together. They watch movies together though. They're excited when their Netflix or whatever cable TV subscription is paid. Mm. Everybody in those houses is mainly scared or, or or down when the internet Wi-Fi is off. Netflix and whatever entertainment whatever is 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 not is not dealt with. Yeah. Where can a person start? How about starting by raising a godly family? Insisting that each day we read the Bible and we pray. Mm-hmm. How about insisting that children have Christian values? Right. How about then actively participating? Uh, besides obviously inviting people to church, actively participating. Like I said you would be shocked the number of people that actively participate in church. Yeah. Every church probably has a threshold of less than 30% who are active participants mm-hmm. and that hampers the work of God. You see so so those are starting places. How about this big one now? Going deeper in your relationship with God. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is the deeper you come with Christ and I and I I recall a video it must have been john bevere he was he was citing a certain is it john bevere or some other preacher who was citing a research that was done that people who read their bibles every day tended to share their faith more okay. with other people yeah 
there was a research that was done to that effect. Right. So how about you just going deeper with Christ? Because the deeper you go, spend more time with him in prayer, spend more time with him in the word. You're consumed with that. Naturally, that's what begins to flow. Yeah. You spend more time listening to worship music more than worldly music. Mm. You find out that the, your, your, your world the begins to change. Of the heart. Yeah. Exactly. So, so how about starting there? Yeah. Mm. That's good, PC. That's, that's very good. And I love how practical that is. Um, this message is also very sobering for me because I lost, I lost a friend um, last week, just a few days, oh, last week on Thursday, very, very good friend of mine who was in Botswana. And the way everything happened was just, just so, so quick and so sudden. Um, last spoke to him about three weeks ago. He had an ear infection and then um, got hospitalized. And then last week, Thursday, I get a call that is... <clears throat> He's, he's no longer with us. So he was a very, very committed Christian, uh, prayer warrior type guy. And I remember, you know, he, he's, he's the kind of guy, like he used to share, he used to send messages every morning. He would send, I think he had a broadcast, and he would send scriptures every single morning. Um, and I just always used to think, dude, where do you get the time <laughs> and stuff, you know? And then when I was looking at the messages he was sending over the last few weeks, and I just thought, this is crazy, man. Um, and the guy, the guy fell sick and he was in hospital and, you know, and, and now, now he's gone. And it just hit me when I thought, you know, we, we can invest so much mm-hmm. In, mm. in, all the, in all these things. Mm. And yet, just like that, our lives can end. Now, of course, I'm not saying that... Um, his life ended because of whatever. But I'm just saying that the way it happened so suddenly that three weeks ago I was chatting to him. We're talking. And three weeks later, he's not here anymore. He's the, the funeral. In fact, I got a message um, in the afternoon that the body has arrived from Botswana. And I'm just like, the body? Like, just that. the body. The guy is no longer here. So I think, you know, we, we often forget that this life is really fragile and really brief and that we can be called home anytime or that it could end anytime and yet we've invested so much in all these other things and then we leave them. I mean, mean, if I can reference um, someone like Jinimbi who died last year, you know, everybody, Jinimbi had like a million followers, everyone looked up to him, he had all the latest fashion, all all the fancy cars, but now he left it all behind okay now who yeah. cares like no one cares it's all gone yeah. so yeah this is such a sobering message and i think something that is really important for us to remember especially as as believers that you know we we have something greater that we need to be focusing on mm. yeah mm. wow yeah so i think because of time we need to we need to wrap it up PC, do you have anything else burning that you want? Yeah, but just say, um, say. Paul says, fix your eyes on things above. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul says, fix your eyes, you know, on things above. There's so many things people are focused on right now. But let the believer continue. I like your story because I've also lost a number of people just recently, friends, deeply committed to God, and one moment they're here. So what's 30 years that they've lived, what's 60 years that they've lived compared to eternity? Mm. So we must um, continually fix our eyes on things above. 
why that's important, it will make us have a balanced relationship with the things that we have. Yeah. We stop having an attachment. I don't know, I've never seen a passenger who has an attachment to the departure lounge in an aeroplane. That is, they, as they're walking out, they're like, well, I'm going to miss this lounge. They look for their spot, you know, in the, in the, in the airport to say, this is my spot. Well, we've got lots of people in this world. They're looking for spots in Hawaii or in an island somewhere. They had uh, the top five billionaires. Or, so they're looking for a spot. But this is one big departure lounge. So now how do, we, how do we stop these things? Supposing you have them, there's no problem with having these things. Yeah. They mustn't have you. So how do we stop these things from, from you know, having you? Fix your eyes on things above. Fix your eyes on things and be in the habit of giving some of these things away. Yeah. Just be in the habit of, of letting go some of these things away. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, they don't, they don't catch you. That's me. Oh, man. Love it. This is so good. Thank you, PC. Wow, that was, <laughs> that was a really good session, I think, for all of you listening. I don't know if you're feeling like being Cookie Monster, <laughs> but yeah, man, just we've like, just yo. like got so much to think about. But in a good way. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, PC, for joining. <laughs> thank you, PC, for joining us. Um, do you mind just praying for everyone listening? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You're a good God. Help everybody listening to this particular episode to fix their hearts, their eyes, their lives on you. Mm. Father, I pray that we may never be captured by the things of this world by the joys and the temporariness of this fleeting encounter on earth. Mm. Help us now as we live to live wisely, knowing that the days are evil and that the time is running out. Help us to expand and extend ourselves and our energies to the things that matter the most, the things of the kingdom. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Amen. And that is us for today. This is Radiant Culture. We will catch you next week or the week after. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot, it's fresh, it's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.